When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 21 of Exodus, God's Great Rescue. And we've seen some of the plagues so far. Can you name them? So you have a bloody knee. That's the blood in the Nile and blood in all the lakes in Egypt. Number two is a frog sitting on your knee. Number three and four is the gnat and the fly that are the eyes of the frog. And then plague number five is all the livestock coming around and circling you. You've got goats, cattle, sheep, um, all those sort of things. Uh, and then you have in front of you this big cauldron and the cauldron is boiling so the fifth plague is boils. And then um, you have hail that's coming down from heaven that's trying to put out the burning pot. That would be the seventh plague. So we have three more plagues. And uh, this shouldn't be too hard to, uh, to get through those and to see if you can remember those plagues. Uh, so I think we'll, uh, we'll just go ahead and just start reading in Exodus. We're now in Exodus 10. And we just finished the plague of, um, what was it? The hail that came in. And remember, the hail stripped everything off the trees. If you were inside, you were protected from the hail. If you were outside, you might have tried to go under a tree. But if the tree was out there, the hail was beating the tree. There was not much left. So it, Egypt's really been beaten here. I mean, they have, they've had a lot of plagues, seven plagues that are just really destroying them. And um, they're not happy campers. They're ready for this whole thing to, to go away. We've had a plague here in the United, well, across the world with this pandemic, COVID-19. And we are just ready. We are ready for it all to be done. We want to get back on with our lives. We want to just move forward. And yet we still have the remnants of this plague. Well, they still have remnants of plagues in Egypt. We've got a few more plagues to go and they, um, they get worse. All right, so let's just start reading in Exodus 10, verses 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials, so that I may perform these signs of mine among them, that you may tell your children and your grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, and that you may know that I am the Lord. So just right away, the Lord's still talking to Moses, and he's like, Go to Pharaoh. I've hardened his heart, but I'm, you're going to go to him and you're going to perform all these signs and it's going to be wonders so that people will know who I am. It's not just that he's rescuing the slaves, the Israelites out of Egypt. It's actually that he's doing all these signs to rescue them out of Egypt. It's the signs that show that he's a miraculous God. If Pharaoh just woke up one day and let him go and, the, and you know, if, if they prayed, Lord, 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 please rescue us out of slavery in Egypt. And they woke up the next day and Pharaoh said, yeah, go. It's fine with me. I mean, you wouldn't really, you, you would praise God for the fact that you were rescued out of slavery in Egypt, but you would not remember the story that well. You, you would not say it took a lot for us to get out of slavery in Egypt. God had to do a lot of work. He had to do a lot of miracles to do that. It really truly is the miracles that highlights, that puts this wonderful paint, this halo around the, the fact that they were rescued out of slavery in Egypt. It's the plagues really that are, that show the miraculous power of God. So that's why God tells Moses to go. 
Uh, so we continue reading in verse 3, chapter 10. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so that it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail, including every tree that is growing in the fields. They will fill your houses and those of your officials and all of your Egyptians. Something neither your parents nor your ancestors have ever seen from the day they settled in this land until now. Then Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials said to him, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Do you not realize that Egypt is ruined? So now it's not just Moses going to talk to Pharaoh. Now he's actually the magicians. Pharaoh's officials, all these people around him are like, just let the people go. This is destroying us. They've destroyed, we've got boils, we've got uh, frogs, we've got gnats, we've got flies, blood in the water. And then we had this hailstorm that has completely ripped all the produce, everything off the trees. There's nothing left. Just let them go. You would think that if Pharaoh's officials are telling them, telling him this, that he would do this. Well, does he do it? Well, let's continue reading. Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship the Lord your God, he said, but tell me who will be going. Moses answered, well, we'll go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters and with our flocks and herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh said, the Lord be with you. If I let you go along with your women and children, clearly you are bent on evil. No, have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you've been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. So Pharaoh says, listen, who all's going? And Moses is like, oh, it's going to be the men, it's going to be the women, it's going to be the cattle, it's going to be all these people. We're all going to go and worship the Lord. Pharaoh's like, no, just take the men. That's all you really need is the men. Leave the women here, leave the children here, leave the flocks and the herds here. Just go. You will not go with anything more than just the men. And then he takes Aaron and Moses and he clears the court. They're no longer there. And we'll continue reading. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over Egypt so that the locusts swarm over the land and devour everything in the fields, everything left by the hail. So Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt and the Lord made an east wind blow across the land all that day and all that night. By morning, the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all Egypt and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left after the hail. Everything growing in the fields and the fruit on the trees, nothing green remained on tree or plant in all of the land of Egypt. So this was the plague. This is the locusts. And uh, do you, what are locusts? You ever thought? I mean, I know what cicadas are. Uh, we have every once in a while. I think this is the year. There's a thing called a 17-year cicada. It burrows itself in the ground, and then it comes out of the ground, and they're just everywhere. When I was a kid, I remember seeing these things. And the sh they, they kind of molt, and they leave their cicada shells everywhere. 
And um, it's really kind of a cool thing. Those are cicadas. Those are not locusts. Uh, you're like, well, what's a locust? Well, let's just take a look real quick. Um, this is from Wikipedia. And it says locusts derived from the vulgar Latin locusta means grasshopper. They're a group of certain species of short-horned grasshoppers in the family Acrididae that have a swarming phase. These insects are usually solitary, but under certain circumstances, they become more abundant and change their behavior and habits, becoming gregarious. No taxonomic distinction is made between locusts and grasshopper species. The basis for the definition is whether a species forms swarms under intermittently suitable conditions. Normally, these grasshoppers are innocuous. Their numbers are low and they do not pose a major economic threat to agriculture. However, under suitable conditions of drought followed by rapid vegetation growth, serotonin in their brains triggers a dramatic set of changes. They start to breed abundantly, becoming gregarious and nomadic, loosely described as migratory. When their populations become dense enough, they form bands of wingless nymphs that later become swarms of winged adults. Both the bands and the swarms move around and rapidly strip fields and cause damage to crops. The adults are powerful flyers. They can travel great distances, consuming most of the green vegetation wherever the swarm settles. So basically, locusts are just grasshoppers, right? And they get together and they're mostly kind of like when you see grasshoppers, you'll see every once in a while here in the Arizona desert, you'll see grasshoppers. And when there's drought followed by green, apparently something happens. There's serotonin in their brains and it triggers this group herd mentality and then they start to swarm and they swarm and they swarm and they'll land on crops and they'll land on fields and they will completely destroy them. I have grapes outside. Well, I've got all sorts of plants outside, but it's the grapes that get these horned um, uh, worms. They're called horned worms. They're green and they have these little horns. They're kind of ugly things. They're actually uh, pre, uh, they're moths, but they're still in their worm phase or their grasshopper, their caterpillar stage. And um, one of these horned worms can just destroy a whole grape vine. They'll just eat and eat and eat and eat and gorge themselves. Well, you can imagine if you've got grasshoppers landing on a field that they would just completely destroy the field. So no matter what was left after the hailstorm, now all of a sudden the grasshoppers come in, these locusts, and they land, they're swarming, and they're just destroying everything. And the people are standing outside and they're watching their whole entire fruit crop be decimated, be killed. And they're looking to say, I mean, we know that crops get destroyed here in the United States all the time. You might have rain, you might have drought, you might have fungus, you might have disease whatever it is, but they're isolated. And because we have shipping and because we have roadways and we have all that stuff, we know that, yeah, you know, we might get something bad that happens in Florida, but that New Mexico and Arizona and Yuma and California will pick up the, you know, the slack in there and we'll still have food to feed everybody because we always have ways to transport food around. But they didn't have that back then. They're sitting here looking and they're saying, we're going to die. This is going to kill us. Where are we going to eat? 
we, we not only need all this crops for ourselves, but we need them for our cattle. We need them for our sheep. We need them for our goats, everything. This is a pretty serious little thing. This is pretty bad. So what happens? Verse 16, chapter 10. Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to the Lord your God to take this deadly plague away from me. Finally, Pharaoh says, okay, I've had enough. Please leave. Pray for your God. Well, what does Moses do? Verse 18, then Moses then left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord changed the wind to the very strong west wind, which caught up the locusts and carried them into the Red Sea. Not a locust was left anywhere in Egypt. Thank you, Jesus. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go. So it's the same story over and over again. They ask for redemption. They ask to be let go. Um, they have the plague of locusts. Pharaoh calls in Moses and says, please you know, help us from this plague. Moses prays to God. God takes the plague away. They go into the Red Sea. And then does Moses get the agreement from Pharaoh that he should go into the that he should go out into the wilderness? No. Pharaoh reneges on the whole entire deal and he does not let the Israelites go. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh, let my people go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh, baby, let my people go. Who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, does not let the people go. <sighs> All right, so we've got the knee, the bloody knee with the frog, the gnat, the fly, the animals surrounding you. Then we've got the cauldron that is boiling. So we have the boils on people. Then inside the cauldron, you have the hail coming in. And now you have the plague of locusts. Now you have locusts that cover the cauldron, that cover the livestock, that cover you, that cover the frog. It's just locusts, these grasshoppers that come everywhere. You got grasshoppers on the cattle. You got grasshoppers on the boiling cauldron. You got the grasshoppers on the, on the hail. You got the grasshopper on your knee, on the frog, on the gnat, on the head, everywhere. Just everything's covered with grasshoppers. And that's the plague. And um, Moses can't get Pharaoh to agree to let his people go. Seems like Pharaoh's kind of on board. Yeah, please pray to your God. Help me, help me. Moses does, but then he doesn't let him go. Pharaoh, you're just, I tell you, you're all of us, aren't you? We, we really sometimes ask for God's help. And, um, and God comes in and he rescues us. And then we never stop to thank him or we never, you know, make any change in our life because of it. Uh, God, sometimes we look as a candy machine that when we have, when we have problems in our life, that's when we reach out to God and ask for his help. But when we don't have problems in our life, we don't reach out to God for help. Um, Pharaoh has no problem after after Moses gets rid of the plague. So he stops, you know, he does stops looking at God, looks internally, looks at his kingdom. How can I grow my kingdom? He only goes to God when he needs him. That's not good. That's not good for Pharaoh. It's not good for us. So then we get one uh, more plague. And this is the plague dun, da, dun, of darkness. Exodus 10, verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. 
No one could see anyone else or move about for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. So this is the this is the plague of darkness. Woke up this morning and uh, there was actually a lunar eclipse this morning. I couldn't see it because of the clouds. But if you've ever seen an eclipse where the sun is occluded by the moon or partially occluded by the moon, that's that is kind of scary. But that wouldn't be what we're talking about here because Moses stretched out his hand and there was total darkness. Like no one could see anyone else or move about for three days. When you are outside and it is there are, there are no clouds and the stars are in the sky and your eyes get acclimated to that, doesn't matter what's happening with the sun. It doesn't matter what's happening with the moon because you can still see. You can see a little bit, but total darkness, that kind of darkness uh, isn't even a cloud cover. It could be, well, a cloud cover might do it, but it wouldn't do it during the day. Because even if there are clouds in the day, you're still going to get some light coming in. No, this, this has to be, I would imagine that it's probably a volcanic eruption. You hear about these kind of things that happen periodically, like one of these volcanoes will erupt and will spew into the atmosphere all sorts of soot. So much soot, as a matter of fact, that it can completely occlude all the sky, it can occlude the sun, and it can be so dark you can't see anything. Now, that kind of soot typically would fall on the ground and people would notice it. But maybe if it happened far enough away, this soot is all airborne and dustborne and comes up over the people and just completely occludes and blocks all light. And because it's still airborne, maybe it's not settling out of the out of the air just yet. Maybe the wind is carrying it. I don't know. It doesn't say anything about there being dust in the air. Not in this plague. There was in another plague dust that turned into the gnats. But here it's just darkness. Yeah, that's pos- that's a possible scientific explanation. Another explanation is that God just created darkness somehow. He is God after all. Um, so not exactly sure what this darkness was, but it must have been a horrible thing. We don't really understand darkness. I watched a movie a number of years ago about cavers and this caver got lost in a cave and he ran out of the glow sticks that cavers carry with them because it doesn't take much light. You break apart this glow stick and it's phosphorescent light that lights for maybe six to eight hours. And then after that, it goes dark again. And cavers use this so that they can always have light to be able to get out. Well, this guy got lost in a cave and he had no light source. He used up all of the potential light sources that he had on him. And it was completely dark in the cave. If you've ever been to Colossal Cave where they turn all the lights where it's completely dark, it's scary. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's so scary that kids will freak out and they don't want to ever go into a cave again. Um, pure darkness is not something to be taken lightly. The fact that we have the sun that we gives us light throughout the day and the moon, you know, sometimes at night and the stars and all that, because we have that radiation that we can see on the earth gives us our sight And if without our sight, we're completely blind and then we only have 
five senses, is it six or four senses or whatever it is, to navigate in this world. Now, there are people that are blind and they do elevate their other senses and they learn how to live like that. But could you imagine what our society would be if everybody was blind? Like, how would we get food? How would we how would we do anything to survive? Um, it would be it would be very, 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 very scary. The, the reason why blind people can survive in our society is because there's a lot of people that aren't blind that can help navigate for the blind people. But if everybody was blind, if the whole entire society could not see, and you have no idea how long this is going to go on for, what, what would you do? What fear would come upon you? Yeah, you know, crops will come back. Locusts will go away. You can actually eat locusts in some countries. They're delicacy. I mean, all of these plagues that are coming in really aren't as scary. I know darkness doesn't seem scary, but, you know, if, if, if God is ratcheting up all of these plagues, just think about the plague of darkness. Like there's no light at all. Now, yeah, you've got lamps and, you know, there's things that you can do to try to extend the day light. But you know that that kind of darkness isn't going to, that lamp is not going to last forever. And without light in the day, you surely will die. You surely will die. So, (laughs) did we read this? Verse 24. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord. Even your women and your children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. So Pharaoh's like, okay, fine. Just take the women, take the children, take everybody. The only thing you have to leave behind is your flocks. What happens? Verse 25. But Moses said, you must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock too must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. And just as you said, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. So this darkness... uh, this really shakes up Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, okay, take everybody but the cattle. That you must leave behind. Moses says, no, we must have our cattle. Now Moses could have compromised and said, okay, fine. You know, we'll leave the cattle. That way we'll get out. But they would not have survived very long without their cattle. And besides, it was their cattle. It was all of their stuff. And Pharaoh would not let them go, even with this plague of darkness. So what else? what else could there be? What else could there be? Well, I'm sure you know what else there could be. It's the worst plague of all. It's the, it's the one that we'll get into next. Um, yeah, and the whole idea of God hardening Pharaoh's heart, it seems like part of this, it's like Pharaoh's trying so hard. He really, he's struggling with letting the slaves go and his own ego of keeping the slaves in Egypt so that they can build him these great monuments. That's all, this is all about Pharaoh's ego. It's nothing more than this. It's not the magician's ego. It's not the counselor's ego. It's certainly not the people living. I mean, they're, they're like, whatever it takes, Pharaoh, we want to move forward. It is all Pharaoh's ego. 
And hardening of our heart is, um, is an ego thing. The hardening of heart is basically an ego in the worst place possible. It's like the ego that is so self-centered that it can't see anything. It's a, it's a plague of darkness on the ego is what it is. That's what this is. And the scary thing is, is that God is hardening Pharaoh's heart. At some level, Pharaoh has some free will, right? I mean, he's he can do some things, but God is hardening Pharaoh's heart. And and that's all of this stuff, all this ego stuff. It's it all goes back to God, which is a scary thing. It's a scary thing. Um all right, so I think let's do one more uh, let's see if we can figure out something on this. So you've got the plague of the blood. You got the plague of the frog, the gnat, the eye, the livestock, the boils, the hail, and then you have the locusts. And then all of a sudden everything goes dark. Everything in this whole entire picture just gets dark. It's the dark before the death. It's Jesus hanging on the cross and the darkness that hangs over Jesus on the cross before the final plague, which is the killing of the firstborn. Um, all right, so um, I think let's leave it there, and uh, would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, for the blessings of this day, for the, the moon that we know is out there uh, being eclipsed by the earth, we thank you for that. We thank you for light. We thank you for sunshine. We thank you for beautiful mornings. Um, Continue to be with us on this beautiful day until we get together again. In Jesus' name.